0: We're glad that you made it. If it's your first time with us today, or if it's been a while since you've joined us, uh, my name is Lee Gilligan, and I'm one of the assistant pastors here at Meadowbrook Church. And it's just always a great privilege and honor to be able to step in and fill the pulpit whenever uh, Pastor Tim is gone. Uh, A lot of you I know, and a lot of you um, we may be acquaintances. Maybe I haven't had the the chance to meet you yet, but um, I I just got to say I am grateful to be a part of this community here at Meadowbrook Church. Uh, My wife, Katie, we've been married uh, almost five years now. And we have two kids, Gavin, who's three and a half, and Cora, who's eight months. And uh, life life is good, but I'm just so... You know, God is so good, and I'm just so reminded of what a a benefit and a blessing it is to be a part of a living, active, healthy, growing church body. And whether you've uh, been going here for 25 years or whether this is your first day, I want to let you know this is a family. And we're all a work in progress. None of us are perfect. And it's just cool to see what God is doing in and through us. Amen? Um, I've said before that, you know, there's people who are in full-time ministry by vocation, you know, a pastor or a a missionary or what have you. But I think just by being children of God, we're all in full-time ministry. We all have a platform. We all have realms of influence. We all uh, have different people that we uniquely get to be around. And so everything is an opportunity uh, to minister. You know, I'm just so aware of how fast time flies. It seems like it was just 2013 and boom, it was over. And now here we are in the first month of 2014 it is almost behind us. It's the 19th. We've almost got one month under our belt. And life is precious, you know. Life is, the Bible says it's a vapor. It's, it's here today and it's gone tomorrow. And um, even this morning I received a text message from my dad that my great aunt had passed away unexpectedly. And it just shows you life is fragile. And so I, I just want to encourage all of us uh, from the get-go to just be so aware of the opportunities, the relationships, the things that are around you, because we're not promised tomorrow, but you're promised right now, what's in front of you? Are you making the most of what God has given you? Pastor Sean talked about the four T's, our time, our talent, our treasure, our touch. Are we stewarding what God has given to the best of our ability and making the most of this precious life and the precious people that we get to do life with? So I just wanted to encourage you guys with that. Uh, Pastor Tim obviously is not here. Uh, He may have mentioned, um, you may remember him mentioning that my mother was sick over Christmas. She was literally laid out for like a week and so she didn't really have a Christmas and he said, baby, I'm going to make it up to you. Well, he's, he's making good on that promise this weekend. And he's having to make it up. And they, they took a few days to get out of town. And uh, I'm excited to be here with you guys and to uh, continue in our series, Guidance. My birthday was in December. And uh, I turned 28. And I know for some of y'all, I'm still a young gun. But uh, it was it was one of those first years that I was like, wait, how old am I? Like, I, I honestly, we're celebrating my birthday. And I had to, like, do the math. I couldn't remember. And uh, my wife, she she always kind of hint around at gifts, and I hate, you know, I just want to be surprised. Don't, don't, you know, give me hints or clues unless you're just going to tell me. And she told me, your dad's getting you something that both you and him could appreciate. And I'm like, what does that mean? So he gets me this gift, and and it's a, uh, it's a a leather binder with my initials on it. And if you know my dad, he's the connoisseur of of custom binders. he has all these nice binders and and once they're filled with notes he puts it on the shelf and he starts a new one and so him and my wife would always tease me because when i get up here to teach i had this crummy little plastic binder and so now you you may not be able to see it but if you could smell this letter this is the real deal people okay (laughs) the, the big time so i i've laid to rest my little plastic binder But Pastor Tim, he'll be back with us uh, Wednesday and then obviously next Sunday. But if you've been with us uh, at all this year, we're in this series called Guidance. And, And weeks one and two are done, and I would encourage you, if you were here... Or if you weren't here, go back on our website and and take hold of those resources. You can watch it, you can listen to it, you can download our mobile app, you can access the Echo, which is our sermon recap notes. And uh, take advantage of that, because we're to be not just hearers of the word, but doers. And so if we can easily access the word and take it with us and apply it, that's really where we begin to see the fruit. But uh, I kind of wanted to do just a a quick recap on weeks one and two. Obviously, uh, you know, it's 2014. We're in the new year, and with a new year comes new hopes, new plans, and new dreams, and and ambitions. But the truth is this, we don't know what this year holds. We we, we don't know what the year holds. The good news is, we know who holds this year. We we, we know the one who created the heavens and the earth, and who's above circumstance and time, and he knows our days, and he formed us in the womb. He's in control. And so, when we embark on this year, uh, who better to have guidance from? than the one who created all, the, the the God of heaven and earth. And nothing takes him by surprise, so we need to get our guidance from him. Pastor Tim talked about uh, avoiding counterfeits. You know, Scripture is clear about that, but I'm amazed uh, at the number of believers who put so much stock in a, uh, a tarot card or a, a horoscope or, or a seance or a Ouija board. That's not just... It's not fun and games. It's not child's play. It's, it's playing with fire. And especially in the day and age in which we live, there's enough confusion and enough uh, blurred lines. We need to make sure that we are getting the truth from the word of God and that our guidance comes from him. We have to choose not just to, uh, God's not going to force his guidance on us, okay? We've got to let him guide us, invite him, seek him. Expect him, fellowship with him. We've got to uh, seek him in our lives and and realize that in that relationship, that's where we we receive our guidance. And then further, that we would uh, be willing enough to cast our cares, surrender our plans, our agenda, our questions, our problems. Just give him this year and allow him to guide us. So that was week one. Week two, he got a little further about where actually does that guidance come from. He talked about a GPS, and we all know what GPS is. You have them in your cars and on your phones, and, and it basically helps us get from point A to point B and to recalculate our route if necessary. But we have that as children of God. We, we were given the, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and He's our guide. And, and what we have to realize is a lot of times people get you know, spooked out by the word Spirit, and, and we make it more than it is. But I believe the number one way that the Spirit reveals Himself is through the written Word it's through what's already written and what has already been revealed to us through scripture and so really guidance so much of our guidance is going to come through our time and the scriptures some people may say well i don't have a bible you don't have a bible we'll give you a bible uh, you have a smartphone download a bible you have internet access go to you version or bible gateway there's there should be no excuse to not have access to the bible especially in the free country in, in which we are there's places where you're you're killed if you have a bible so we, we don't have an excuse and with the word of God, we need to make sure that we are daily in the word. You know, he, Pastor Tim talked about manna, and the, and the children of Israel were given manna, bread from heaven. But if they stored up that bread, it, it, it rotted. It was no good. It was good that day. Now, while the word of God is timeless and his truth endures forever, what that means in, in relation to this is that don't just read the word today and think, all right, and I'll read next Sunday. You know, you don't want to store up that manna, we need a, that fresh manna, daily exposure that you're in the word, getting fed and getting your guidance from him. So that, that's kind of the Reader's Digest quick recap of weeks one and two, but I want to get into part three of guidance today and kind of give you guys some easily, uh, uh, easily applicable steps that you can apply to your life um, a, as you're seeking to have guidance through this year. You know, with a new year comes new goals and new resolutions, right? How many of y'all are resolution people? Wow, not much resolve. <laughs> I saw like two hands. Okay. But we, we, we want to be better. We want to realize, okay, yeah, last year we, uh, I may have missed it here. I didn't do my best here. Well, this year I'm going to choose to do better. We like clean slates. We like to press reset and kind of start over. And what better time to do that than the new year? You know, growing up, I, I was real big about resolutions and my sister and I, we would sit down on New Year's Day and we would get a pen and paper and we'd write out our resolutions. Now, back in the day, I was a uh, a procrastinator. As I've grown and, and went through college and, and, you know, grown as a man, my dad has really instilled in me the principle of margin. But I didn't get that back in the day. And I had a photographic memory. So when it came to school, I could just like see something and kind of cram. And, you know I, just, I, you know, I floated through, but I was a procrastinator. So this particular year, I was probably 14, Uh, one of my resolutions was that I was going to stop procrastinating. So as I'm writing this out, I realize in that moment that I have this report due when I get back to school. So this is New Year's Day. We were going back to school like two or three days later, and my report was on the book Left Behind. Uh, If you've ever seen those books, they're rather thick, and for a procrastinator, that was a lot to get through. I wasn't going to be able to just pull the cliff notes on that one. And so I'm like, oh man, I don't want to procrastinate. I really, but yet I already have. I've got to make up for lost ground Well, just so happens New Year's Day is also the day, the tradition, when my family, it's all hands on deck to pull down all the Christmas lights, all the garland and the wreaths and the cords and all that stuff. My parents go all out, uh, inside and out, and so there's a lot to pick up. And some of you, you just, you skip that and you just leave it up all year long, and and we know who y'all are. But I'd never like that day. It's fun putting it up because you're in the spirit. But then once the spirit's kind of waning, you're just like, I don't want to pull this down. I, I'm just the type who'd rather throw it in a box. But my dad's like so methodical and p- placing out floodlights and reefs and stuff. And uh, so I'm, try- I'm thinking, I've got this report due. And I don't want to help with the decorations. But what, what more noble excuse to get out of helping than the fact that I'm getting started right with my new resolution. And I'm, and I'm going to be studying so I took it a step further, and I went upstairs uh, to the most secluded bathroom in the home. The family's already outside getting ready. And I, I drew a, a big, hot bubble bath. Because <laughs> I thought, well, if I'm in the bathroom, no one's going to disturb me. I know it sounds girly, right? Reading a book and a bubble bath. But I thought, well, they, they'll just, you know, they won't find me. It wasn't two minutes. My dad's beating on the door. He says, get out here and help the family. And to this day, I can't live that down. Anytime left behind is mentioned, anytime we're decorating for something, I always get razzed about the time I tried to get out of decorating by reading left behind in a bubble bath. (laughs) Now scrub that mental image from your head. The point is we all make resolutions, and a lot of times we mess up on those resolutions. There may be some of you who already have missed your resolutions this year, and you think, you know what? I missed it. I'll try again in 15. Wait, what year are we in? 14? (laughs) <laughs> I don't know how old I am. I don't know what year it is. <laughs> I mean, we, we scrub our resolutions and we put them off and say, you know, I'll try again next year. And we feel that if we failed or, or, or missed perfection, that it's just not even worth it. And a lot of times that's how it is as, as a child of God. We feel that if we miss the mark or we let God down, that we have somehow derailed our, our, our progress and our walk with him. And, and I want to encourage you, the goal isn't perfection. God doesn't expect you to be Perfect. He knows we're not perfect. He died in our place and there's only one perfect being and that is God. There's only one perfect person to walk the earth, Jesus himself. He knows we're not perfect. But one thing that he does desire for us is progress. He desires growth. And so as we resolve in this new year to be better, don't make perfection your goal. Make growth your goal. Make progress your goal. And while perfection is not attainable, there are some steps that we can take. Some things that we can apply to ensure that we progress this year. Y'all want to progress? You know, for me, 2013 was a great year. But I look at 14, and I, I hope it's even better. How many of y'all want 2014 to be the greatest year of your life? Uh, every hand should be up for that. I, I, regardless if the last year was horrible or if it was great, I, we all want better. We all want this to be the greatest year. And I believe this could definitely be the greatest year of your life. And and I'm going to take this step further, regardless of what happens. I didn't say that this could be the year you have perfect health or all your wildest dreams come true or, and everything is just flawless and you make a million dollars and all that, all the, whatever it is you're believing for, that might not all happen, but this could still be the greatest year of your life. Because I believe there's some steps we can apply that'll help us to be focused and equipped to keep our sight on who our source is, to make an impact in all we do, and to really Meet some God-given goals. Not just resolutions, good-hearted resolutions, but things that God's doing in your heart. Goals from God that he wants you to meet. And then even a step further, promises that God has given to us that we want to see fulfilled. I believe that to get to where God wants us to go and to be who he wants us to be, there's several simple things that we can do. And and I'm going to share those this morning. Now, you may have heard our pastor say, That for every problem, there's a promise, and when you read the Word, it just overflows with promises in Scripture, and 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 it's it's so uplifting, and we we see all these promises. But I believe God makes promises so that we'll trust Him. I believe He makes promises because He says, "Here's what I will do for you. Do you love me enough? Do you trust me enough? Do you do you have your sights set on me enough that you're willing to walk through whatever to do whatever to follow me, even though the road may get bumpy." Even though this year may not be perfect, do you trust me enough to know that I will fulfill my promise in your life? That I will help you reach that God-given goal that I've given to you? God makes promises, so we'll trust him. Now, one thing I want you to realize is that a promise is not always a free gift. Yes, God freely gives to his children, but a lot of times a a promise is an assignment for us. When you look throughout the Bible, you'll see different stories where God made good on his promise, but his people had an assignment. Joshua led the army to win the battle of Jericho. But first, their assignment was to march around the walls and to shout. That that was their assignment. Moses led the children of Israel out of the uh, Egyptian captivity. But first, um, there were some things God asked him to do. He asked him to make camp. and, and, And it appeared in the way that Moses was leading the children it appeared to the Pharaoh that they were confused. So then the Pharaoh changed his mind after he let them go, took his army and went after them. Then God tells Moses to raise his rod above the Red Sea and then he would part it and they would walk through on dry land. Now in the natural, that's like, what? But God saying, do you believe me enough? Do this, I'll make good on my promise. So Moses raises his rod, he parts the sea, the people walk through on dry land and then as Pharaoh's army comes up behind him, the w- waves come crashing down and wipes out the army. God made good on his promise, but Moses had an assignment. Paul and Silas, they were, they were locked away, but they sang praises to God, and then this earthquake came, shackles broke, and they walked out. God will make good on his promise, but what is your assignment in the process? What is it that you need to be doing during this? Yeah. Trust God, but do you trust him enough to do whatever it takes walking through? Don't do his job for him, but realize you have a part to play. I want to uh, look at a promise that God made to a guy named Abraham. How many of y'all grew up in Sunday school? Father Abraham, you know the song? Father Abraham had many sons, had many sons, had Father Abraham. I'm not going to sing it for you. Uh, But that was the promise. God promised Abraham that he would be the father of a great nation. The father of a great nation. And so we're going to look at Genesis, if you have your Bible. Genesis 24, we're going to read verses 1 through 9. Now this is a, a rather long narrative in Genesis And I encourage you to go back and read the full chapter because it's a a great example of God fulfilling his promise for his children. And some cool things happen in there, but I want to look at verses 1 through 9 because God has made this promise to Abraham that he would be the father of a great nation. But in this chapter, we see that Abraham is older. He has more days behind him than he does ahead of him. And then currently he has his son Isaac who is not wed and has no children of his own. So let's pick up in verse 1. Abraham was now very old, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to his senior servant, who was named Eleazar, the senior servant, the one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh. Now this was a sign of submission or surrender to Abraham's authority. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I am living, but will go to the country... And my own relatives and get a wife for my son, Isaac. The servant asked him, what if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country that you came from? Make sure that you do not take my son back there. Abraham said, the Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household and my native land and who spoke to me and promised me an oath saying to your offspring, I will give this land. He will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you will be released from this oath of mine. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of his master Abraham, and he swore an oath to him concerning this matter. And you're probably saying, well, what does this have to do with me? What does this have to do with guidance? I believe this uh, particular passage, what's happening here, illustrates three simple steps that we can take in our life in getting to reaching a God-given goal. Or in the process where we're waiting to see a promise fulfilled. And so the first of these, the first thing we have to do is determine our present position. Determine our present position. In order to get where we're going, we got to know where we are. In order to get to point B, we've got to look at point A and see what was it that got us here. What decisions did I make? What mistakes did I make? What, what ultimately led to me getting here? So before I can get over here to what God has promised and my new goal, I've kind of got to look and take some notes and tweak some things and realize, how did I get here? You got to ask yourself, where am I now? So right now, you know, no, don't speak anything out, but thinking of your life, your roles, the hats that you wear spiritually, financially, relationally, occupationally, physically, every area of your life, where are you at? kind of do a quick assessment of some things. And I know we're we're people, and and, and so there's things that are already on you that you're well aware of some situations that are going on in your life. And so Abraham, in this situation, he assesses where he's at uh, physically and relationally. And he knows, he hasn't lost sight of the promise. He knows who the promise maker is, and he knows he'll be the father of a great nation. But yet his days are numbered. He says, you know what, I'm getting older. And he realizes that relationally, he's not yet the father of a great nation. His son has not yet wed or or begin to have offspring. And so Abraham determines that position. He assesses where he's at, and we've got to do the same thing. The second step that we have to take is that we define our goals. That we define our goals. So if if determining our present position is point A, then defining our goals would be point B. It's it's being well aware of that goal or well aware of that promise from God. We have to ask ourselves, okay, I know where I am, but where do I see myself? Where is God taking me? Where is God leading me? What is it he wants to do in and through me? And a goal has to be specific, you know? A, A goal can't be general. I think no one ever reaches a vague goal. The more specific something is, the more uh, real it is to you and vivid and you believe in it and there's flesh to that skeleton, then it has pull on you. It has authority on you. But if it's just some general vague goal, the, the odds of you reaching it or actually caring enough to follow through probably isn't going uh, to happen. To make it simple... Just kind of everyday terms. If I had this generic goal, if I woke up yesterday and I said, you know what, I'm kind of bored. It's a Saturday. I think I'm going to go kill some time in Orlando. That's pretty vague. Orlando's a big tourist spot. There's a lot to do. Um, Odds are I might not get out the door because I don't care enough to actually follow through and go do anything. And then if I do, I'll go with the flow. I get there whenever I get there and end up spending some money I don't need to spend or, or, you know, going to some cheesy tourist trap off (laughs) I-4, something like that. But if I woke up and I had this plan in place, and specifically I said, today is going to be a great day, Family, I want everyone up at 7. We're going to be dressed and out the door by 8. So that at 9.30, we're pulling into the gates of Walt Disney's Magic Kingdom. And we're going to get our fast passes so we can get good places in line. I've got dinner reservations here at this time. Mickey and Minnie are going to be signing autographs over here at this time. Fireworks are at this time. You have the whole day planned out. That's pretty specific. And you work up excitement and you believe in that. And so there's power over you. You want to see that happen. You're going to probably hit that goal because it's more specific. And you have a plan and place. And that's kind of just an everyday example. But when, we, when it comes to having specific defined goals or clearly understanding God's promise, it's not just the specifics of what, but also the specifics of why. Knowing what it is that God wants to do or where it is that we're going, but also why. Now for Abraham, the general goal, okay, we know the promise. He's going to be the father of a great nation. The general goal is that he wants to see his son wed. So he could have said, all right, go find, my soul, uh, go find my son a wife. Could have just picked anyone. said, so go find my son a wife. It wasn't hard back then. There was prearranged marriages. He could, they could have done whatever they wanted. But he had a specific goal that the wife for Isaac would be from his homeland, that she would be willing to come back with the servant and to marry Isaac and that she would not be a Canaanite. He, he knew that if Isaac wed a Canaanite woman, that he would probably waver in his devotion to, and his lifestyle of worship unto God. And so Abraham was very specific about his goal. We have to be the same. We've got to determine our present position, point A. We have to define our goal and see the big picture and understand where it is that God's leading us. That's B. That leads us to the last step. We have to dedicate ourselves to do. Dedicate yourself to do. And you may be saying, well, what what does that mean? Earlier I said God makes promises, so we'll trust him. Almost like, do you trust me enough to follow me? I will fulfill this, but I'm asking you to do whatever it takes. Do we believe enough in the goal that he's given us? Do we believe enough in his promise that we will dedicate ourselves to do? That we are provoked to act and to do whatever it takes to get there along the way. God is is challenging us and he wants us to step out and to do that. And so you see point A and then you've caught a glimpse of point B. Now you ask yourself, what must I do to get there? What must I do? What must I do to reach that God-given goal that is burning inside of me? What must I do uh, to see that promise fulfilled in my life? What is my job? I'll do whatever it takes. Last week in part two of guidance, Pastor Tim said, you can't just have a goal. You've got to have a system. Can't just have a a goal. Even if your goal is specific, you've also got to have a system. What are you going to do to get you there? If this year a resolution is that you would drop weight, what are you doing to help you get there? What is the system? What lifestyle changes are you making? Maybe your your goal this year is to... Uh, you want to build up your savings account. Uh, what financial adjustments are you going to make? What, what things are you going to uh, look at to help you have a system to get you to that goal? Maybe there's something God's been putting on your heart for a long time. And it, it, it's something to to reach the lost or, or, or to feed the homeless or hurt the, uh, help the, the people who are hurting and broken... Maybe it's something along those lines that you've been making excuses. You've been putting it off year after year. And, and, and this year, you, you feel this is the year, God, do something new in me. I want, I want to see this happen. Well, what are you willing to do? What system are you going to put in place to help you get there? You've got to have a system. Abraham was very specific about his goal, so he was specific about what he did, about his instructions. He didn't pick just any servant. He picked Eliezer, the most established, the one who was responsible for the most, and he sent him with very specific instructions, even to the point that the the servant says, well, what if she's unwilling to come back? He says, then don't bring her. I I will release you from this oath, but these are your instructions. And so are we dedicated enough to the, the goal, the promise that we'll look at where we're at, We'll see where it is he's taking us, and then we'll do whatever it takes to get there. Now, here's the key principle that I want you guys uh, to get out of this. You may say, "Okay, I see how these steps apply to Abraham's story, but how do they? How does Abraham's situation apply to my situation?" And this is what I want y'all to realize: is that it's never too late to make a change. Never too late to make a change. Not, not be rude. Are you guys here today? Are y'all awake? (laughs) It's a new year. It's a Sunday. It's chilly out, but but we're here. This is good news. It's never too late to make a change. I don't care what you did last night, yesterday, what you wasted last year doing. It's not too late to turn it around. And Abraham was old and and his days were numbered and and his promise in the natural didn't look like it was going to be fulfilled. But he had not given up. He had not lost sight. And so what we see from his example is that it's not too late in our life. What is it God's doing in you? Even though that change may be taking longer or that change may be harder than you anticipated, it's never too late to make the change. Now, here's the thing you've got to realize, though. Maybe you drifted through t- 2013. You look back and say, what did I really accomplish? What, what did I really do? I feel like I, I missed it or I wasted it in some points. So while it's okay and then saying, you know what, that's behind us, it's not too late to make a change, but moving forward, we do have to make a change. We have to make a commitment to not drift anymore, but to have direction. We can choose to drift, or we can choose to have direction. Amen? And by direction, what am I, What do I really mean? Guidance. That's what we're talking about. We don't want to blindly flow through our year. We want to have divine guidance. And so we can choose to drift. We could go with the flow. We could hop in the car and just stroll down to Orlando with no real clear objective in mind. Or we can have a clear picture and understanding of where God's leading us, and that we would choose his direction and his guidance in our life. Now, the difference between whether we drift or whether we have direction is this, if we can keep perspective. If we can keep perspective. As soon as we lose perspective, or as soon as we lose sight of the promise that God's given us, we tend to lose direction we tend to lose guidance. As soon as we mess up on our resolution and we lose sight of what it was that was pushing us to make that resolution to begin with, a lot of times we just give up on our resolutions. We can't afford to do that here. We can't afford to lose sight of the big picture. We have to keep our perspective. And are we going to be glass half full type of people or glass half empty type of people? My dad, um, this is what he used to say when we were growing up. He's a very positive guy. He's a very disciplined guy. He always has a very healthy perspective. And it's a, it's a great example for me. Because I can be walking through something and I'm just like throwing a pity party. And then he'll share something about something that he's walking through. And I'm like, how are you so happy? But growing up, he would, we, if something would be happening, and if me and my siblings pointed out the negative in a situation, he would say, guys, you're walking through this beautiful garden. There, there's things blooming and there's plants all around you. And you point out the one pile of dog poop. A lot of times life is like that, that God's doing amazing things. That there's good stuff that's happening, but we're so focused on the one negative area or the one problem that we've been wrestling with. And we focus on that dog poop. The glass is half empty, but we need, really we need to step back. We need to look at the big picture. Jesus prophesied, Jesus told us that life would not be easy. John 16:33. he said, there will be problems in this life. So I could be a glass half empty type of person and I could stop right there and say, oh man, this year's going to be tough. Jesus said it, there's going to be problems. But no, he goes on, keep reading the verse. He says, take heart, I have overcome the world. Yeah, there will be problems, but I have overcome them. And a lot of times we kind of just run through life and we're just feeling bad for ourselves and, and focusing on our problems and we lose sight of the big picture. We lose sight of the truth that when Jesus hung on the cross in our place, and the veil was torn, and he said, it is finished. The work was done. Everything we need for life and godliness was complete. His grace is sufficient. His mercies are new. His peace surpasses our understanding. His joy is our strength. His favor covers us like a shield. By his stripes, we are healed. Everything we need, it was done. It doesn't say that Jesus is running around working. Jesus is on the throne. He's the victor, and he is our source, and so we need to boldly Uh, accept and receive what it is that he's already done. Yeah, there may be bumps this year. Yeah, there may be things that we have to walk through, but take heart, he has overcome them. It's not worth throwing your perspective out the window and losing sight of that direction and that guidance and giving up on your goals and giving up on the promises of God. I found myself a few weeks ago, we actually just moved into a a new home. Uh, Well, it's not new, it's it's redone. It's a new home for us and we closed on it just after new year's and we're sitting there at the it was the walkthrough before our our closing and i'm like a giddy little boy and i'm like looking at the floors and the appliances and all this stuff and i see my wife i call her the frustrated decorator because she's always improving tweaking repainting so i see her just looking at something i'm like oh man the honeydews are piling up already and we haven't even signed the papers And she, there was a a wall where there's knockdown spray that they had sprayed on the walls. Well, it had got on the baseboards. And she's like, babe, you are going to have to sand all that off the baseboards. And I'm like, uh, no joke. I said this in front of our realtor. I said, babe, we're in this beautiful garden. And you just pointed out the one pile of dog poop. Now, I, I, she's not at this service, and I hate to use her as the example, but we've got to keep our perspective, even if there is some knockdown spray on our baseboard, even though there may be some, some dog poop in the garden. Do we believe in the promise enough, and do we know our source, and do we, are we so focused on the God-given goal that we're not going to throw away our perspective? Matthew 6, 8 through 13, I'm not going to read all of it, but I want you to catch this first part. It says, Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. A lot of times we pray as if We have to keep reminding him. I believe in praying without ceasing. But no, God already knows. You don't have to keep praying. Oh God, by the way, uh, you know, can you fix this? Or I need this. He knows what you need. Then Jesus goes on and says, this then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Know that he's got your back. He knows your needs. And just pray that his will be done in your life. Do you trust his will? Do you trust his promises? Do you trust that he's going to make good on his part enough to follow through and to stick to your assignment? So here's where we're at. You can't do this year alone, but you don't have to. We can't do it alone, but we don't have to. And, and any goal that's worth accomplishing or any promise that's worth seeing fulfilled, it's going to have some obstacles. There's going to be some friction. Why? Not because I have I'm a man of little faith, but because the enemy hates to see you succeed. The enemy hates to see you prosper. The enemy hates to see God using you or you becoming someone in him or him bringing something to pass in your life. The enemy hates that. So there's gonna be friction. There may be some things you have to walk through, but know this, as you do so, you've gotta be willing to have your eye on the prize, keep your focus, keep your perspective, have that long-term, big picture view that even when difficulties do pop up, that you persevere knowing God is gonna get you through it. When it comes to guidance we've got to as we set out take these steps to determine our present position to define our goals see the big picture and then be dedicated enough to that promise that we'll do whatever it takes to follow through in that keep your perspective and i promise whatever comes your way this is going to be the greatest year yet did y'all get anything at all out of this today